Hello, and welcome to the Interstate Gamers Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, a.k.a. K-Slug. And I'm Peter, a.k.a. Dilmer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also your host. It's not like a monster or something. <laughs> I am a monster. Welcome to the Interstate Gamers Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, a.k.a. K-Slugs. My name is Peter, a.k.a. Duo for Real, and I'm also your host. Welcome, everyone, to the 42nd episode of the Interstate Gamers Podcast and the 35th Game Review. And boy, is there a lot going on in the world today, huh, Peter? There is. You know, I was thinking I need to thank all of our avid fans for taking the time out of their doomsday prep to listen to today's episode of the Interstate Gamers Podcast. <laughs> Um, I, I don't think we need to talk too much about the coronavirus because it's been everywhere and I'm sure we're all tired of hearing about it, especially me in Denver because shit's kind of popping off here. Yeah. But I do want to say <laughs> I think it would be remiss for me not to use this platform of power and influence that I have here to remind everyone to wash your hands, try not to get sick, and try especially not to get other people sick, especially those who may be more susceptible to diseases. But don't panic either because panicking doesn't help nobody. And uh, that's my, that's my spiel about coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, don't help nobody. Uh, but all I have to say is stay safe. And uh, if you are being quarantined or you're staying home for whatever reason related to the coronavirus, we're glad we could help in entertaining you during that time. Yes, as Kevin said, we do have 41 other episodes. So if you got nothing to do, <laughs> cue them up, baby. Cue them up. So, um, just diving right into it, Pete Boy, do you want to tell the listeners what we're reviewing today? Hell yeah, brother. We are reviewing the N64 classic, Diddy Kong Racing. Hell yeah, I love this game. I used to play this game a lot with my cousins when I was younger. Um, they owned it, so I'd always have to go over there and like play with them at their house. But um, I always loved going over there and like competing with them and and stuff like that. Um, I had some of the best memories playing this game, so I'm excited to review it. You know, it's funny you say that. I had a pretty similar experience actually. Uh, we had some family friends who were they had some kids who are like a little older and a little younger than me, and we used to play this game a lot. And also Super Smash Brothers, uh, neither of which I owned at the time. So they introduced me to both of these amazing games. But eventually I borrowed their Diddy Kong cart- cartridge rather from them and uh, never returned it, which <laughs> I also did with their uh, copy of the Game Boy Advance game, Kirby Nightmare in Dreamland. So I stole two games from them. Pretty good friend, I would say. Um, yeah. But yeah, a lot, of, a lot of my best early video gaming memories are from this game too. So it's cool that we both have that experience yeah that's pretty cool i stole uh, tony hawk's pro skater <laughs> <laughs> well that's worth it that is a yes. as you know a game that is as you know. my heart. <laughs> correct so yeah this is a this is a rare classic game uh this came out in 97 it came out only like nine months after mario kart 64 which is of course the other big uh go-karting game for the system i'm sure we'll be Making a few comparisons here and there. Oh, we did review yeah. Mario Kart 64 as our very first episode, actually. So maybe you can do a comparison if you so desire. 
Fun fact is that this game was remade for the Nintendo DS 10 years after it came out for the N64. I do have that remake, and I enjoyed playing it. It's been many years since I played it, but it felt very bloated. Like, they added a bunch of new features that were unnecessary or not fleshed out. Um, But at the end of the day, it was still Diddy Kong Racing, so how bad could it be, right? Right. But that's a remake that isn't talked about very much from what I see and from what I gather. Um, There were, however, and this is a little more interesting, there were a couple of sequels uh, at different times uh, after the release of this game that were planned, but never saw the light of day. One of those is called Donkey Kong Racing. I think for the GameCube, that one was planned. Damn. There was also a... I believe it was called Diddy Kong Racing Adventure, which was some other type of sequel that was... I think it was going to take place like on... You were supposed to ride animals instead of vehicles. Um, You know, riding animals is a big part of the Donkey Kong Country series. Right. So that would have been cool to see. But, you know, it's not terrible that we only got this game because it's so good. True. (laughs) True. Spoilers. Um, But but yeah, no, I agree. Um, Awesome game. I guess I agree with your facts. <laughs> I'm just now realizing you just said a bunch of facts and I said I agree. But, you know, agreeing um, with facts is a very important thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I wish those sequels were a thing because it would have been cool to see those. And like, as you mentioned, like riding on all those different animals would have been a cool incorporation of racing. I can't say that I know of any other game that does that. I don't either. So that would have been really cool. What is it with Rare and, well, I know exactly what it is. It's because they were bought by uh, the big M, MSoft Corporation. Yeah. That Rare has all these great games that are games that were probably going to be great but never saw the light of day. I mean, Perfect Dark 2 was going to be a thing. That game looked <laughs> like it was going to be absolutely wild. And, you know, here we are with a, a crappy sequel to Perfect Dark that I'm not even excited to play ever. <laughs> so I'm about ready to dive into the gameplay. What do you think? Yeah, let's dive in. And you know what? I'll just I'll do the honors. Nice. So I will say that sometimes the driving felt a little too uh, hectic and wobbly at times. Yeah. Like a simple slight turn would give me a lot of anxiety because I thought I was going to miss like a, a <laughs> balloon or a banana or like a boost. I was like, okay, I got to make the slight turn. Oh, I missed or something like that. Eventually I got used to it, but um, it, it was kind of off-putting. I will say that. I felt the same way too at first actually. It's it's very, very tight controls, like way too responsive almost. Um especially compared to Mario Kart sixty four. Um yeah. but but I did enjoy it after a while because once I got used to it, I felt like it was it was really a skill they can develop, you know. And by the end of it, especially with some of the later challenges, like the silver coin challenges, which we'll talk about later, um, I found myself like being able to swerve with the drift and the brake simultaneously and going all over the place. And it was actually a lot of fun. Um, but it, it does take some getting used to. I'll agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think there's a lot of times where I figured out like uh, where exactly to place my car so that I can slightly turn, get something, and then keep my course. That's that's definitely a skill you have to learn with this game. But once yeah. you do, it, it, you feel like a boss. I, I will say that. <laughs> what character did you play as? Tip Tip. Hey, I'm a tipped up guy too. Hey, we were meant to be. (laughs) It was always meant to be. I like all of the um, different vehicles you could play as. Like, I love the hovercraft. Um, I loved the 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 airplane. I think that was a really cool addition. Um, It kind of goes into content a little bit, but I really liked playing as different uh, vehicles. I think that's 
Comparing it to uh, Mario Kart 64, which I'm probably going to draw a lot of comparisons to, I think it's a nice upgrade um, from that. Um, the game felt really fast-paced. It felt a little bit more competitive than just like Mario Kart. Yeah, I, I have a, I have another point that will kind of get into that territory, but I do want to talk about the vehicles because I do think that was a very, very cool addition that they made. Um, the plane especially because the plane pretty much takes it from like a 2D game, so to speak, into a 3D game because you can go left and right and up and down. Yeah. And it's it's pretty wild, you know? Like, And, and what's really cool also is that they'll design courses to be used. Like the courses are all generally designed for one particular vehicle, but you can oftentimes use multiple vehicles on the same course, which is really cool. Um, adds a little bit of replay value, uh, makes things a little bit different. Um, but it's a neat way to add variety into the gameplay, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I love the plane, too. That's my favorite by far. You could do like a bunch of tricks and stuff like that. Yeah, those are cool. Yeah. Um, I think this might... I'm wondering if you have the same point as me. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the weapon system. Oh, please do. While there weren't many weapons like there is in Mario Kart 64, I enjoyed the fact that you could level up your weapons to a more powerful version of the original one. And uh, that kind of enables you to incorporate some kind of strategy where you could like, um, you could do like a quick shot. You could just use a single missile or you could uh, upgrade your missile to a homing missile and like lock onto your target that's ahead of you. Or you could get a more upgraded version of that and get 10 regular missiles. So there was a lot of strategy involved in that and trying to get the item that you want and you know exactly what item that you're getting. And I think that's what's really interesting about Diddy Kong Racing is that it feels like a more even playing field. It takes out a lot of the randomness of the game, incorporates a lot of strategy. Yeah. So if you've played, if you've played the game a lot or a particular course or things like that, you could kind of master it. And if you and a friend have mastered it, it can make for a really interesting, you know, time. Like, you know where all the boosts are. You know exactly where the bananas are. Um, that's another strat is there's a finite amount of bananas on the course. So you have to make sure that you get um, as many bananas as possible or up to 10. And uh, if you need to get some more bananas, you can hit someone else to get their bananas and things like that. So there's yeah. a lot of strategy to this game, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, the bananas boost your top speed, by the way. I don't, I'm not sure that you said that. Um, oh, yeah, sorry. Kind of like coins and Mario Kart's kind of yeah. the same function. But yeah, I, I totally agree. I was I, I think that's probably the biggest difference between this game and Mario Kart fundamentally is, yeah, there's very little to no randomness that I can think of off the top of my head because you can tell what item you're going to get because of the color coding of the balloons. They're always in the same place. The balloons don't even like move or do anything crazy. I know some Mario Kart stages have these funky like moving item boxes. Get that shit out of here, man. Yeah. I'm already moving. I'm already moving. I don't need to move even more. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's really fun, and um, I, I think that I would be excited to play against you maybe someday in the future. Uh, see yeah. see who's the the tip top master. I think that that would probably be you because I hadn't played in years before revisiting <laughs> uh, this time around, and you you said you beat the game, and I didn't go through all the trouble to beat the game. But so it might be you. He might. <laughs> who knows? Maybe I'll train. Train up to where I once was, and then then we'll face off. Cue the training montage of Kevin just grinding Diddy Kong Racing speedrunning. Maybe that'll be an Instagram post. I guess the the other big feature of this game is the adventure mode, which, uh, yes. surprise, we 
didn't get to that just yet. But the adventure mode, it's, you know, it's a full-fledged hub world with different other worlds. Uh, the tracks in this game are grouped into environmental themes. So you have, like, the dino world with its four tracks, the snow world, the beach world, the castle dragon kind of medieval world, and the space world. And they all are pretty cohesive in their themes, but you get to them via the hub world. You know, you drive around, you have your elephant friend Raj who helps you out, gives you the ability to transform and stuff like that. Editor's note, his name is Taj, not Raj. Um, and there's a few things to do in the overworld, like you can race Taj in different vehicles and he'll give you golden balloons, which are like the currency that you need to, you know, unlock more races and events. Um, but there's bosses too. Each Each world has yeah. a boss who you have to defeat not once, but twice. Uh, we'll get to the the repetition later in the content section. Um, and you do race the bosses. You don't like fight them in a battle arena, but you, you can attack them a lot of the time. They'll try to mess with you. Um, but it's really fun. It adds a good amount of variety to the game, so you're not always just doing straight-up racing against seven other CPUs. Um, I think it's a fun time. Yeah, I definitely agree. And on the note of facing the boss multiple times, um, I hated those stupid... Silver coin races, and if I'm being honest, oh really? I like those. <laughs> <laughs> I hated them because I don't know. I guess, I guess I just wanted to race. I mean, I know there's, I don't know. It kind of it felt like they were always like way the heck over like somewhere, and you'd have to like go completely out of your way to get them and then recover. Yeah, and then, uh, it it I don't know. It kind of annoyed me a little bit. Um, and it's like, I'm only doing this so that I could face the boss again. So, I don't know. It felt kind of fruitless, but I guess to each their own. So Yeah, I, I did enjoy the Silver Coin Challenge, because to be honest, I think that most of the single player of the game is pretty easy. Um, I, I also didn't really struggle that much with the Silver Coin Challenges, so maybe I am just a master at Diddy Kong Racing, <laughs> who knows. Um, but I, I can definitely see that. I think that in general, I guess I'll get a little bit into content now, but the game does make you do a lot of stuff over and over again. And uh, unfortunately, if you want to unlock the space world, then you do need to collect all the silver coin challenges and do all the trophy races and things. Um, so it does make you jump through those hoops. Um, but I, I personally enjoyed the new spin that it put on racing. Cause once I had beaten the CPUs in a race that was usually fairly easy, I, I didn't see much value in doing it again, unless there was something like the Silver Coin Challenge there. So I, I think you're right to each their own. Yeah, uh, I also really like battle battle mode. Playing with my uh, my cousins back in the day, that's that, that was our go to. Yeah, and I really liked the the beach one with the hovercrafts. That was like that was my jam. I could always win that one. My jam was the icicle pyramid. That's the one that we would play nonstop. Yeah. Yeah, that was very similar to Mario Kart's, I think. Yeah, they do add the the two other courses, though, that one of them you have to, like, hatch eggs in a volcano. So it's kind of sort of like Capture the Flag, I guess. And then there's another one where you have to collect bananas and put them in your treasure chest. So they do add a little bit of variety there. It's just interesting that the game mode is based on the map, and you can't just choose any game mode for any map, you know? So Right. Kind of interesting how they did that. But I, I once again, I appreciate the variety there and the fact that they did something just a little bit different. Yeah. I don't really have anything else to add to gameplay, so if you have anything... Um, I will say that one thing that's interesting is that, um, well, first of all, there are cheat codes in this game you can enter. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I love me some cheat codes. I don't use them because I'm a 
true epic gamer, um, <laughs> but they do exist. Actually, one of the cheat codes uh, increases the difficulty of the AI. So if you are uh, a super master at Diddy Kong Racing and you want an extra challenge, you can go ahead and pluck that in. Also, it, it's interesting, neither of us really talked about the characters yet, and I think that's because we both use TipTop. True. Uh, but there are eight characters, one of which is Banjo, before he appeared in his own game. Uh, right. Kind of an ugly version, in my opinion. But no. yeah, <laughs> he, he improved. He, he aged well. He aged like a fine wine. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's there's eight racers. You got your heavyweights, your medium weights, your lightweights. I always go with the lightweights in any racing game. That's how I roll. Um, but they do handle fairly differently, like you would expect. Um, and they're all they're all cool. I think I can talk about the character designs and stuff in the visuals section. But I just thought we should mention that they do exist for the sake of all the. Listeners out there, <laughs> yeah, there are other characters in Tip Top. Um, <laughs> Tip Top Racing. <laughs> it's really cool that uh, like there's so much strategy and like uh, really just strategy involved in the game. Like it's kind of competitive in that nature, and I think it's it's interesting how we both love that fact, um, given that we you know are pretty competitive gamers. I would say, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna give my score if that's all right with you. Please do. Okay, I gave it a ninety. Dude, I gave it exactly a 90 also. Dang, I knew you might be on point on that one. (laughs) Um, So moving on to uh, everyone's favorite section. Aesthetics. Aesthetics. And we'll hit up the visuals. Pete Boy, why don't you uh, get us started on that one? Sure thing, man. Uh, The visuals are very, very colorful. That is, <laughs> yeah. that is the the most obvious thing. It hits you right in the face with those beautiful, rare, cartoony, aesthetic colors. Sorry, aesthetic colors. Um, it's it's a lot. And to be honest, sometimes I think it's too much. Uh, sometimes I think they get kind of garish with the colors and everything. But the the good thing about the game is that it's like very obviously supposed to be a cartoony world with all these yeah. animals and you know just every. I don't, it's just a very cartoony game. I don't need to explain it very much. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it is kind of up to taste or up to your personal taste how much you enjoy that. Uh, the one the one time that I thought it was objectively a bad decision was there are some tracks, especially kind of in the later part of the game, where there's just so much goddamn like color and shapes on the screen that it's kind of hard to tell where to go. Yeah. Every time like a turn or a hazard is coming up, you'll see these little arrows that indicate which way you should go, which sometimes is a godsend, let me tell you, because there's like yeah. so much shit on the screen. It's like, okay, I'll trust the arrow, <laughs> and, then you, <laughs> and then you do it. Um, so at times like that, it was frustrating, but I think overall the game was very charming in its visuals. And I have a few more comments, but I'll let you uh, pitch in here. Yeah, when you, when you say that, I... I... Think of like the uh, one of the snow levels where like you're going down a shortcut and all of a sudden you're like you're popped out of the shortcut and you're like oh my gosh there's a wall in front of me and you're like <laughs> uh, do I turn left or right and then there's an arrow just right above it it just says right and I completely forgotten about that until I played the level again I was like oh my god and I turned right <laughs> it's like oh <laughs> thank God for that arrow um, but yeah I, I agree with the uh, the game is very bright. Colors pop. Um, it's popping. Just a lot of f- flavor everywhere. Yeah, and it just it looks and feels like a a really fun game. Uh, to be honest, for for me, um, you know when I turn on the game and I just see Diddy flying in, he's like he ha ha ha, and I'm like, yeah. all right, <laughs> it's about to get real. We're about to have some fun. 
I, I found it to be really cool. The UI looks uh, crispy clean, in my opinion. Um, I really like the, what they did with the UI. Um, there were a lot of cool visual effects and animations. I could dig it. All the different environments and, and different levels looked really cool. Um, each map felt kind of different. I guess I should say each world felt different, but each map kind of felt different too, to a certain extent, except for Dino World. I would say everything kind of felt the same in Dino World. Yeah, but even, even so, though, I think that uh, Dino World, or Dino Domain, as us true nerds call it, even then in that world, I think they did a decent job of differentiating between tracks. Um, yeah. But yes, sometimes a track or two would feel kind of similar, and sometimes they shared music too, uh, which could yeah. contribute to that feeling. But overall, I do think that they put a good amount of variety into the environments given uh, the constraint of the worlds. I did want to point out that um, another comparison to Mario Kart 64, they use actual 3D models for the racers and vehicles, whereas yeah. Mario Kart 64 just used sprites. So uh, I think they got a leg up on Mario Kart 64 in regards to that. Then again, though, I wonder if that decision contributed to the frame drops and the frame rate slowdowns that you get sometimes. Yeah, that's true, too. Which which I found to be sometimes pretty bad. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure on average it's a lot worse than Mario Kart 64, but that's that's kind of the price that you pay for these visuals. Yeah, and then also it feels like, you know, the turning is really, like the speed of the game feels really fast. So, like, you'll really feel the frame drops. Yeah. Because when you're, like, turning or something like that, or you just, like, slightly turn, it'll just, like, your character will, like, pop out and you'll be like, Whoa, and the game feels really fast and quick, and then like when the frame drops, frame rate drops, you're just like, wow, I could feel that. Yeah. I, I wonder if it's due to the quick paced nature of the game that you really feel those frame rate drops. You're really feeling it. Really peeling it. <laughs> the water looks really good though. Uh, and the water levels, I'm pretty sure that that Dude, was an achievement I almost at the wrote time that. for the N sixty four. You almost wrote it? <laughs> <laughs> I almost wrote it, but I was like, I don't want to sound stupid. <laughs> I was gonna put like, dude, they got water right in this game, but I was like, Peter's gonna, Peter's gonna think I'm stupid. Why would I think so that? I didn't write, uh, but yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, it felt like you know, with all the waves and things like that, and like uh, the, yeah, when you're in the hovercraft, it feels feels a lot really fun. Yeah. What really sucks is when you're a car in the water. Your race is basically over. Yeah, I just restart anytime that happens. <laughs> like, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and because of the and because of the items, like you don't get better items when you're far behind. So if if you if you fuck up, you're done. Like you you cannot yeah. catch up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a pretty grueling game. I would say that not all the graphics are super stellar. I'll admit, and the models are a little blocky. Um, I think it is a is it's a pretty early sixty four game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, for sure. That's probably some of it, but I still enjoy them. I think it did a pretty good job for for what it's worth. One thing I think is kind of funny is how whenever there's a character that's walking, so you know, not during a race, but <laughs> but on the on the hub world of the adventure world, uh, you'll find that wh- like whenever they're walking, they'll walk faster. But when they walk faster, it's just literally their animation is like speeding up, <laughs> and then it slows back <laughs> yeah. down again. Which is like, it's pretty lazy, but you know, the characters walking around is not the focus of the game. The focus is obviously on the racetracks. Right. Uh, so I'm not like really taking off points for that, but it's just a funny thing that like when you, when you think about 
the the literal technical reason that went into that. You're like, oh, that's funny. They just sped up or slowed down the same animation for when they're walking faster or slower, just like in real life. I thought that was pretty funny. I like the character designs a lot. Except for Banjo. Except for Banjo. Well, that's only because we got a better <laughs> Banjo later. Exactly. But the characters, you know, only a couple of the characters um, are characters that would appear again later, like Conquer and Banjo and maybe one other one. I don't quite remember. I think Tip Top was like, he made a cameo in Banjo or something like that and the Bubble Gloop Swamp. Um, oh, yeah. Perhaps. But even, even if they're not characters that really mean a lot because they never came back, I still thought they were cool designs. Like, I like Pipsy, little yellow mouse. She's cool. Um, yeah, I do. I love her. I like Bumper the Badger. I think he's got a cool design, even if I don't like to race with him. I think he's a cool dude. <laughs> Except on the race course. He's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I agree. I liked all the characters for the most part, except for Banjo. And like you said, it's like, well, I know that's, and it, and it's kind of like sad that Kazooie's not in there. So I'm like, ah, oh, I wish Kazooie would pop out. That would have been, that would have made it a billion times better. One billion. The, the last comment I have on visuals is it's kind of on the menu user interface topic. Whenever you choose to play individual tracks instead of going into adventure mode, I think the menu for navigating the tracks is like super inconvenient because all the tracks are arranged in this grid, basically, where each unit of the grid is one track and you can't see where you're going. But like it's organized into rows based on what world it is. But you don't really know that until you press down on the stick and then like it pans the whole fucking camera to the next (laughs) stage. And it's kind of cool because each each track has a picture frame. And once you've once you're hovering over that track for like a second or less, it'll transition into a cinematic of that course so you can see it. Yeah. Which is a cool idea, but the cost of that is that you can't see where you're navigating in the menu. You have to like know where stuff is or learn where stuff is and then remember that. Yeah. Um, so I, I found that was a pretty like egregious <laughs> user interface uh, failure, but at least they did it to get like some cool cinematic picture frames in there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. It's like, oh, you can only see this one level, and you're like, where do I go to get to this level? That That's where you lose a lot of value in it. But yeah, you're right. The the transition into the cinematic stuff, or the preview of the course, is pretty pretty dope, I gotta say. So I'm like, almost okay with it, but you're right. I think in the end, I'd still rather have something where you could view everything. Come on, Rare. Come on, you could you could have you done it. Anyway, um, I think that does it for me, and I think that does it for you. Yeah, I will give my score now. It was a hot, fresh 75. Wow, 75? I didn't expect that. I gave it an AT6. AT6. Yeah, I, I like the visuals, but sometimes it's just too much for me, I think. <laughs> um, okay. And then sometimes I think they like go crazy on the effects or the polygons, and then the frame rate suffers. And I think like frame rate suffering in a racing game is kind of kind of not a good design principle in my opinion. Yeah, well, back in this day like that was like every game, but yeah, I see what I see your point. Yeah. But I think it is charming still. Um and also 7.5 is still a pretty good score. <laughs> we're just Hell used to yeah, we're just is. used to slinging out 99s and 100s, so feels feels <laughs> bad at first. Feels bad at first, yeah. Well, okay, moving on to the audio. I will say that the Volcano soundtrack is Hot Fire. Yeah. I don't remember the exact like level name, but um, 
Also, the opening theme song, pretty fire. And I like the Overworld song. So there's some soundtracks in there that I like. Um, but over, and, and I would say overall, the soundtrack's pretty good, but I wouldn't say it was something you'd go out of your way to listen to, or I wouldn't say it's very iconic. Like, who says, Dude, do you know that one song from Diddy Kong Racing? Like, I don't think I know anybody who's come up to me and, and said that. <laughs> so maybe that yeah. speaks to something. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a very okay soundtrack, I would say. I pretty much agree. I think the soundtrack is good. Um, I found myself humming along to pretty much like every race because they force you to play every race many times. Um, yeah. But I did find, but I did find myself enjoying the music. Um, as far as iconic songs, I, I was thinking actually that I think there are like three iconic pieces of music in this game. I think the the main theme, the doo 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 doo, I think that is iconic. I think the the track selection, like the general kind of menu music, the like I I love that beat. I think that is a fresh ass beat. Yeah, I was actually playing that at work the other day on my headphones. I was like just jamming on a loop of that for a little bit, getting some shit done. That's funny. And then I actually I think the level theme for the first Dino Domain track, Ancient Lake. I really like that song. It's like that. Yeah, they are fun. I think the soundtrack is pretty fun and it kind of fits for the game. Yeah. So I think it does a good job of that for sure. I want to point out um, for better or for worse, this music was not composed by our dear personal close friend who I know very well, Grant Kirkhope, but it was composed by David Wise, who has some legendary contributions to the Donkey Kong Country soundtrack. For example, Aquatic Ambiance, very iconic underwater theme from DKC, was composed by this man. So he, he's got some chops on him. And he, this may not be his most iconic soundtrack, but I think he's got some bangers in here. So good job, David. Right. Yeah, speaking of, um, for better or for worse, they did incorporate voice acting, which... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, all, it's always impressive for this era of gaming. Um, however, I wouldn't say that hold up too well today, uh, in today's world. Like, oh my goodness. When, when, when I went back to like revisit this game and I listened to some of the bosses and things like that, I was like, oh my gosh, this is really bad. Yeah. Especially the octopus. Oh my God. You mean General Grievous? Cause that's how he sounds. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like something's in his throat. Yeah. I enjoy the voice acting. I thought it was good. There's not like too much of it. It's not like you're constantly being bombarded by crappy voice acting. True. Also, like it's the game knows that it's cheesy. And it, I mean, of course, it was meant for kids. It was meant for people like half our age or younger. Um, but I think it, I think it leans into it really well. I, I like the voice acting and also all the the little voice clips that you hear, like all the characters who have their little sounds. And I love Tip Top saying watch out because it reminds me of you when we play Rocket League. So watch out whenever it crashes something, he's like, watch out, (laughs) (laughs) Kevin, where, uh, watch out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, who else has sound effects? Oh yeah. The, the clock character TT, he kind of like narrates the whole game. So he'll say the name of every track and like a cool British accent. And it's kind of cool. Um, it's like doc moon caverns. (laughs) I did, uh, write down that. I like the announcer completely forgetting that it was TT and I love (laughs) TT. So, that that little dude too can fly, man. TT can fly. 
Yeah, he's a he's like the ultimate secret character that I I've not managed to unlock ever because you have to like beat crazy time trial records on every course. So they they make yeah. it work for him, but he's like the best racer. For sure. I also thought the sound effects were um you kind of talked about it a little bit, but I thought they were pretty okay, like they were meh. Some of them I liked, like especially the the characters voices like that. Yeah, I do like that, but other than that like boosting or like uh some of the weapons, they're okay. Uh, the shield sound effect is pretty good. Yeah, a little musical jingle at place. Yeah. Um, but overall, the sound effects are kind of, eh. it's, it's all right. I feel pretty differently. I enjoy them quite a bit. I, I wouldn't say it has any iconic sound effects, really, except for maybe the shield sound effect is really cool. But I, I really enjoyed them. You know, I was mostly vibing out to the music, and I thought the sound effects went well with the music and with the visuals and all that sort of stuff. So I, they may not be the best sound effects ever, but I thought they did their job really well and I appreciated them. Yeah. I, yeah. I wouldn't say anything about the audio is like bad or anything like that, but, but I wouldn't say it's like stellar in any way. I think that's my overall summary. <laughs> yeah. Eh, I, I could feel that. Yeah. One thing that is pretty funny about the music is that a couple of the themes and the Christmas world are sorry, the winter snow world, whatever, but really you can tell it's the Christmas world. Cause I'm pretty sure they like take melodies from two Christmas songs for two of the soundtracks. Like one of them sounded a lot like, uh, I think one of them sounded a lot like winter wonderland, like walking in a winter wonderland. And then there's some other one. I, I don't really remember them, but they were like straight up. Like, I'm pretty sure this melody is from a famous Christmas. song. <laughs> Yeah. So it's pretty funny because, you know, there's there was some video I was watching years ago, like, how can you make a winter sounding video game soundtrack without using like a jingle bell shaker thing? Because that's a very common instrument that they use in these right. snow levels. And not only does this game do that, but it also just steals melodies from Christmas songs. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, wow, they really, that's awesome. they're, they're not fooling anyone. They're not trying to fool anyone. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Well, I think I'm done with my review on audio. Sure, I'm done too. You want to hit me with your score? Yeah, I gave it a 78. 78? I gave it a 90. Wow, <laughs> we really differed there. I could kind of tell we were going to, but I didn't think you were going to go that high. Interesting. This is going to be an interesting score. Yeah, I I was really vibing with all the, the cheesiness of the sound effects and the voice acting, and I thought the music, not, well, not always iconic, I always really enjoyed it. So I had a good time with the audio, for sure. Well, moving on to uh, some people's favorite section, the content. Content. All right, P-Boy, you've been wanting to talk about this for a while, so I'm just going to let you go off on it. My fellow video game fans, I regret to inform you <laughs> that my one of my favorite websites, my trusted resource and ally, <laughs> howlongtobeat.com, did in fact lie to me this time around. It told me that it would take like 20 hours to beat the main story, quote unquote, of this game. However, it, it only took me like less than nine hours, probably between eight and nine. I wasn't keeping track, really. I'm not TT, I'm not a living stopwatch, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure I beat the game in less than half the time than this person or these people did. So, you know, never meet your heroes. You got to question everything. <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to rant about that. Maybe it's because you're a, an epic pro gamer. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> but I was thinking it. <laughs> you were thinking it. Or maybe someone went on there and like put some absurd amount of hours like that took that it took them to beat the game. So they're like three hundred. 
took me forever. And it just like inflated. Yeah, maybe there's like straight vandals, like on Wikipedia. Yeah. Editor's note, the average time listed on the website was actually 14 hours, which is significantly less than 20, but still significantly longer than what our epic gamer friend here managed to accomplish. Uh, anyway, I think this game has a pretty good amount of content, uh, considering you got 20 tracks to race from, uh, four of which are the secret Space World tracks, which like you don't even know about until quite late into the games. I think they do a good job of like hiding that and surprising you with it when you get there. Um, there's also the four battle courses. I, I think really the, the, the most interesting thing about the content of this game is how much they stretched out the content, for better or for worse. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned this earlier, but you do have to beat every course once. I don't know if you have to actually win. Maybe you can get like third through first, because sometimes games work like that. But you do have to beat each race in a world, and then you fight the boss, and then you do each race again, but collecting the eight silver coins this time, which, as we talked about, can be pretty difficult. And then after that, you fight the boss again, but of course the boss is harder the second time. And then after that, you have to find a hidden key somewhere in one of the tracks of the world, which I actually think is a pretty cool like pseudo-exploration thing, because you don't have to win the race, you can just drive around and find a key. Right. And then you have to beat the battle mode for that level. And after you've done all that... Well, actually, you can do this before the battle thing, but you do have to do a trophy race, which is kind of like a four races in a row Grand Prix sort of thing, uh, after you beat the boss the second time. So it's pretty much the last thing you do. So by the end of a world, you have done each race three times and being the boss twice. And it's like, okay, they have certainly increased the amount of time it's taking me to get through this game. <laughs> um, but I actually don't hate it. Um, I think that, as we said, I do enjoy the Silver Coin Challenges, which is... You know, it's pretty much personal preference, I think, whether you like it or not. I, I do think that fighting the boss twice can be kind of annoying. Uh, one of the bosses really made me rage the second time around, the dragon. I was, uh, I was letting some swear words fly at that one. <laughs> um, but overall, I thought, I thought that it was pretty good content. I, I could tell they were stretching it out, but I didn't really mind it too much. What do you think? Yeah, I actually kind of agree um, for the most part. I will say that I... Of course, I didn't like the uh, silver coin challenge. I felt like, you know, it, it was just so bland of a concept, maybe, and I just didn't care. And it's kind of annoyed me that I had to go so far out of the way to get these coins. Um, and I felt like maybe they could incorporate more variety. Um, like maybe there's different challenges the second time you come back through all the courses. Like it doesn't just always have to be the silver coin challenge. Oh, yeah. That would be nice, but it is kind of cool to go through the Grand Prix and stuff like that. So, yeah, overall, not bad for me. Like, I, I think it's pretty good. Um, the content is actually amazing, I think. Um, for a racing game like this, and if you're comparing it to Mario Kart 64 once again, you're like, well, this, the content should blow this out of the water. It really does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and the fact that there's even an adventure mode for a Nintendo 64 racing game like this, and has like a hub world and everything. I think you could you could feel there's a lot of love put into it, and uh, that's kind of like a a rare signature thing. Like, um, it, yeah. it just it felt like they put a lot of heart and soul into it, and it's something I miss from this company for sure. And hopefully they'll get back to their the roots on that. Um, but yeah, I also loved the incorporation of the car, hovercraft, and airplane. I know we mentioned it in gameplay. But I think it just adds a whole lot of new content to the game. Like, it, obviously, it's like just different vehicles, but 
I mean, that's just kind of crazy that there's these different modes. I, I don't know why it's so crazy. It just is. <laughs> What's crazy to me is that there's no Mario Kart game with an adventure mode. Like, how obvious is that after yeah. playing this game? Like, you have Mario. You have an entire 30 years worth of video game history to draw from to make, like, a fun hub world. And you're not doing it. You're not even updating Mario Kart in the past 5, 6, 20 years. I don't know. Yeah. Weird. That is kind of crazy to think about. Come on, Nintendo. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine adventure mode for Mario Kart though, and I'm having trouble. <laughs> I don't know why. But it would be so dope. Think about it. Think how dope that would be. Be pretty dope. What is what is pretty dope in Donkey Kong or sorry, Diddy Kong Racing, Force of Habit, <laughs> is that once you beat the adventure mode completely, you've defeated Wizpig twice. Oh yeah, also there's a big villain named Wizpig. He's a wizard pig, don't worry about it too much. Anyway, <laughs> After you beat the story mode, like totally beat it, because there was the false ending, right? After which point, Wizpig goes to space and then you get the space world, which, by the way, I love that reveal. I, I think I mentioned this earlier, but I didn't know about those space tracks for like years. Wow. And finally, when I got the cartridge for myself and actually beat everything else, I was like, holy shit, look at all the space stuff that there is. <laughs> um, so good job. Anyway, uh, what I was going to say is that after you actually beat the entire game, you do unlock Adventure 2 which is Adventure 1, but the courses are mirrored, and the Silver Coin challenges are rearranged. I haven't actually played that mode because I never really felt the need to, and like you don't get anything crazy for beating Adventure 2 all the way through. It's purely optional, which I actually appreciate. Um, I know I've complained in the past about beating some crazy challenge and not getting things for it. <laughs> Star Fox 64. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I say. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes I see the other side of the argument. You know, like in this case, where it's like almost literally doing the exact same entire game twice. Maybe it makes sense that you don't get a big reward at the end of it, and maybe you do. Maybe I just don't know about it. Right. Yeah, I agree. That's pretty cool. I mean, the fact that they even have all this stuff to me is just kind of baffling. In 1997, on a brand new world of 3D, it felt it feels like there's just like a whole lot of content there, and it was a game that that I felt like I could play for years and never got tired of it. You know what I mean? Like when I was a little tyke and like playing the game and like for years after that into my teens, like it felt like I could play it for a long time and never get bored. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Speaks a lot to the content. Yeah. You know, I wonder as I was playing this game, I was thinking, Oh, it's really cool that they made this different from Mario Kart 64 and they made this and that and the other, they made all these things different. And then I find out that the games were only separated by nine months uh, uh, between release dates. Wow. And obviously you can do a lot in nine months, but it's clear that obviously our, I would think that this game took more than nine months to develop. Yeah, for sure. So I think it's interesting. Like They still had plenty of time to react to Mario Kart 64 and maybe, oh, like it would be really cool if we had multiple vehicles. Let's do that. And other things like that. Um, I'm not sure what the timeline was. I haven't really like gone deep and looking for developer interviews or anything like that. They're probably out there, though. Um, but it's just something interesting to think about, how they managed to make a game that I think is really good, uh, as you can tell from how I've been talking about it, um, but also is not the same as Mario Kart, but better. You know, it's not one of those things. I think they're both different enough games to where you can really enjoy them for different reasons and have fun playing both of them. Right. Dabbling in a little bit of uh, Homebrew 64 magic. Um I can definitely say <laughs> it would be hard to just switch gears like that and completely 
change course for Mario Kart. So I definitely think they had planned it out before then. And maybe they made a few tweaks, but yeah, it, it's just really cool. Yeah. Editor's note. Let's not forget that Super Mario Kart for the SNES came out in 1992. Rare had plenty of time to react to that. Also, we've talked about it before, and we've mentioned it several times, but there were bosses in this game. Like, who doesn't <laughs> love like a bo- like bosses in a racing game? Like, that's always that. Sometimes I feel like that's what ra- uh, racing games are missing. Like, sometimes it's just you know you and the drivers next to you, or the CPUs, or like your friends, your buddies, or whatever, and that's cool and all. But sometimes it's nice to have a common enemy in in racing games, especially. Oh, we haven't even mentioned this game can be co-op. How have we not mentioned that? Isn't that a cheat code? I think that's a cheat code. I don't think it is. I'm pretty sure it is because there's like I was looking at the cheat codes the other day, and one of them is like enter this to play adventure mode with two people. Oh yeah, you know what? That's I think you're right. Still really cool though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of weird. It's not a default option, but yeah, yeah, really cool. Yeah, I might want to try that with you because I don't even know what that looks like. You know, like I don't know how it functions. Yeah, it's pretty much just split screen. Like we we would both race against the boss, which is pretty cool. So only one of us has to win. <laughs> oh, that's neat. But yeah, um, this is kind of random and doesn't really have anything to do with anything. But like, and I know this boss is not too hard or anything. But the first boss, like the the dinosaur guy, I forget his name. The path was so narrow on that one, like you'd like hit him, but it wouldn't it would almost not be worth it because he would just like get in the way. Yeah. So like you'd hit him, he'd jump up in the air and fall back down on this narrow pathway. And you're like trying to maneuver around him, but the turning was so like uh sensitive that you'd just either you'd hit something or you'd just get crushed. But luckily, at the very end of the race, he always slows down tremendously. <laughs> and I have no idea why. <laughs> I just got to, can't make it too hard for all the kiddos out there. Yeah. This is the last thing I want to say before we wrap up this section. Um, well, really, it's not even related to content, really. But um, in terms of like plot, storyline kind of stuff, I mean, obviously this game isn't really involved and it doesn't need to be, so I'm not really here to talk about that. But I'm very confused what the relationship is between the boss characters and literally every other character because th- the bosses, when you beat them... When you beat them the second time, at least, they give you one quarter of the Whizpig medal. And when you get all of them, then you go to fight Whizpig for the first time, which makes them kind of seem like they're his henchmen or something. (laughs) But but like they tell you, good job, kid, you won. Congratulations, you did well. And like, wow, these are very honorable enemies, you know. But (laughs) when you totally beat the game, when you beat Whizpig in space the second time, also known as Star Wars, you see like all of the boss characters celebrating with you. So like... If they're your friends, then why did they have the key to beat the boss? And like, why do they gatekeep you like this? I don't understand. <laughs> I think I think they wanted to know if you were worthy enough to challenge their common enemy. That's so obvious. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They're like, all right, if he can beat me, he can have this medal because if he can beat me, then he's worthy enough to at least be one fourth as good of. Whizpig, and if he can beat everyone, then we know he's ready. So then, so then that means that they weren't confident in their own abilities to take on Whizpig, even though they were skilled racers, as we saw. Exactly. So they, they they knew that someone better had to come along. So I guess they were just doing that. Maybe you know, if there were a sequel to this game, I would want those four boss characters to come together and take on Whizpig as a group of four. I I, I want to see some solidarity in my uh, kart racing 
kitty game plots. Can you imagine, like, if they like made a sequel to this game today, nineteen ninety seven to twenty twenty, and they was like, "All right, here's the sequel to Diddy Kong Racing," and you're like, "What? <laughs> what would that look like? Like, I don't even know." An entire generation later. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that'd be crazy. Anyway, I'm about ready to wrap this up. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. What'd you give it? I gave it an 85. 85? I gave mine a 94. Damn. 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 Um, So I'm interested to see what our numbers will look like. So without further ado, let's do some number crunching. Hello and welcome back to the Interstate Gamers podcast. We have our consolidated scores ready to share with you, the world, the avid fans. First of all, we will summarize our scores, and I will go first, as is tradition. I gave gameplay a 90. Visuals, I gave a 75. Audio, I gave a 90 as well. So that and the visuals combined to create an aesthetics score of 82.5. Content, I gave an 85. So all told, the Peter score is an 85.8. And I just looked uh, looked this up. This is the 26th ranked game for you. So out of our, what did I say, 35? 35, I think. So it's 26 out of 35 for you. For me, I gave gameplay a 90, uh, visuals an 86, uh, audio a 78. Ooh, I didn't look up my aesthetic score, but um, it'll go into the calculations, so you really don't need to worry about it. <laughs> um, the content was a 94, uh, bringing my overall score to an 88.7, which is 16th on the list for me. Nice. Um, so interesting numbers there. But we were kind of close, uh, like together in score after having some differences. We, we kind of came to the same general consensus about the game. And I think that's accurate in what we described. But anyway, that puts the IG score at a 87.3, which is 21st in the list of 35, which replaced the previous episode. It was 21st, but um, now this one just went right above Oracle of Seasons. You got to bow to the Kong, baby. Got to make room for Diddy. He's here. He's taking your spots. Yeah, it's interesting that we have like two back-to-back games that we view are like as good as each other. It's, it's interesting. Dude, by the time we get to the end of the season, the last game is going to be like a 1,001 out of 100 points. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Well, so what do you think, P-Boy? What do you think about our numbers for this game? I like them. You know, it's interesting that you and I kind of had, like, my visuals and my audio kind of swapped to make up your visuals and your audio. Yeah. So I found that to be pretty interesting. Um, and content, you know, honestly, I probably could have given it higher than an 85. I don't know if I would have gone quite as high as you did, but I could see a very strong argument for that. Right. And then gameplay, the same exact score. I mean, how often does that happen? Pretty much <laughs> never. Because you, you have to choose a zero or a five, uh, a number that ends in one of those digits to, uh, <laughs> to get the same <laughs> score as me on anything, except for the, the very rare 99 I gave a couple episodes ago. But yeah, I like these numbers. I, I think that Diddy Kong Racing is a classic game. Actually, I think the Metacritic score... Uh, is very, very close to our IG score for it. Yes. So, you know, it turns out that, you know, many people feel the same way about the same game because 
when you average a bunch of things together, they make an average, and that's what we do here on the Interstate Gamers Podcast. <laughs> so pretty, yeah. So pretty much what we've learned is um, we're Epic Pro Gamer Raiders. Yes, professional game critics. We know exactly what you guys want to see in video games, and I feel like we just bring that out, and we're like, hey, this is not good, or hey, this is good, and you know what? We usually come together as the same opinion as you guys, so you know what? We're just awesome. Yeah. You know what, though? If your opinion is very different, or even if it's just a little bit different, and you want to let us know, we encourage you to do that on our social media. We have a wonderful Twitter account, which is at the IG underscore cast. Please go there. Give us a follow. Yeah, you follow people on Twitter. Yeah, give us a follow. Uh, subscribe to our Twitter. Uh, click the bell for notifications. All that good stuff. Just kidding, that's YouTube. <laughs> um, and let us know what you thought of this game or any other episodes you may have been listening to. We love to interact with the viewers. Um, also, Kevin, why don't you tell them about the beautiful website you made some time ago? Oh, yes. The IGCast.com is a place you can go to not only listen to our episodes, not only purchase our merch, and not only view blogs that we've only written one blog for, <laughs> but you can also view the ratings of all of these games and have a good good uh, insight and breakdown as to like for each of these games. And, and, and the numbers there are pretty interesting, and you could sort by different things. But um, yeah, there's like breakdowns and numbers and... Maybe one day I'll add more content to it, but I'm a busy programmer man and got a lot of other projects to work on. But it's a pretty dope website, and you should go check it out for sure. You know, I just realized I just realized you can't spell programmer without pro gamer. <laughs> you, so, you certainly can't. That's the so thing about that. It's <laughs> pretty awesome. Also, your comments about our blog. I, I'll be honest with you, I had totally forgotten about that part of the site. Even though I do go on the site every now and then to check on my old scores, I, I just. I, I missed the blog, man. And you know what? I had a, I had an idea. And I would love for any avid fans out there, if you guys have some sort of topic that you would like to ask us about and you want to hear maybe some more in-depth thoughts, like something that can't quite fit on Twitter, and obviously something that's not a game review, maybe, maybe send us that question and maybe we can answer it in a blog post. That'd be fun. That would be kind of fun. Or maybe we can finally put your thoughts on Star Fox 64 in blog form. Maybe so. You know, I, d- I did do a very long write-up of that many years ago. Exactly. Um, so e- even though I, I've kind of sort of changed my opinion since then, maybe uh, it's time for a retrospective. Yeah. But speaking of our avid fans, we do have some fans who are gracious enough to financially support us. Uh, Kevin, do you have the list of those people on hand? I do. I'd like to give special shout-outs to Mallory Sutton, Ryan Everett, and Simon Webb. Thank you guys for supporting us been supporting us for months at this point you guys rock can't say it enough love you guys if you are a listener who is not one of those people and you're interested in joining the ranks of patreon describe describers <laughs> <laughs> subscribers rather uh, you can find the interstate gamers on patreon and we would appreciate any support that you're willing to give it means a lot to us and it helps us pay the bills exactly yeah, and if like Pete Boy said, uh, follow us on social media and like give us reviews. Tell us what you think. Like we want to, we want to hear your guys' thoughts. We we love hearing it actually. Um, Dolphin Dasher, shout outs to that guy. Um, <laughs> that guy. <laughs> he gave <laughs> us a random feed- dude we don't know. That uh, he gave us <laughs> some feedback on Twitter about Brawl, and uh, we really really enjoyed uh, listening or hearing his thoughts on that. So that was cool. Yeah. Dolphin, keep keep on doing your thing, man. We love you. 
And speaking of love you, I think it's time to end the podcast. I agree. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of season four. We've got, we're pretty much halfway through at this point. So get hyped for some more game reviews. Hype. Love you too, guys. Love you too. to sink it. Damn, what a good episode that was. What a I feel it. Fucking good episode. That's it. That's fucking it. <laughs> That's fucking it. <laughs> this is my insane up. Look at you. Look at All you right. guys. You guys didn't believe me. <laughs> I'm recording a storm. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs>